Welcome to episode 75 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. In the fall of 2021, Eastern Illinois Athletics announced that it would add the sport of beach volleyball to begin play in the spring of 2022. Fast forward eight months, and the Panthers will play their inaugural NCAA beach volleyball competition on Tuesday, March 22nd, against Missouri Baptist. Our guest today is EIU Associate Volleyball Head Coach Manolo Concepcion, who serves as the head coach of the EIU Beach Volleyball Program. Concepcion talks about how the beach program came about, his lifelong involvement with the sport, and his side project, which also involves the continual growth in the sport of volleyball. We are in our second season of EIU Panther Podcasts. You can listen to any of our previous episodes by searching EIU Panthers Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio Podcast. You can also click the EIU Panthers podcast link under Fan Zone on EIUPanthers.com, the official athletic website of EIU Athletics. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. Want to learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business? Then visit Consolidated.com today. Congratulations to Christos Carul and Thomas Wallace on being named the Ohio Valley Conference Men's Doubles Tennis Team of the Week. Also, congratulations to Joel Talley, Forrest Baumgartner, and Phoebe Croston on being named to the Summit League All-Academic Team for Men's and Women's Swimming. EIU Spring Sports are in full swing with men's tennis and softball, both hosting home events on campus this weekend to wrap up spring break. For the latest in scores, schedules, news, and more on EIU Athletics, visit us online at EIUPanthers.com or follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of the EIU Panthers podcast with EIU Associate Head Volleyball Coach and Head Beach Volleyball Coach Manolo Concepcion. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by Manolo Concepcion. Manolo is the assistant or associate head coach for our indoor volleyball team, but our head coach for beach volleyball. So first of all, thanks for joining us, Manolo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about it. So I guess talk a little bit about that to start with. We added beach volleyball. Sand volleyball is what people, is probably the better term because most places don't don't play with an actual beach. But I, I guess kind of maybe talk a little bit about how that came about here at Eastern. Well, President Glassman and Mr. Tom Michael actually allow us the opportunity and the privilege to actually uh, prepare a proposal for this new sport to happen. Uh, so once we saw like some interest, um, we just started get, uh, gaining a lot of information and seeing how much momentum the actual conference has. And the, the team's opponents uh, in our conference also help us into kind of like making this uh, push. Uh, so we're just really excited to be the only NCAA Division One uh, program uh, in the state of Illinois. And uh, so far it's been great. Now you talked about that, the OBC does sponsor it as a sport, it's in a, what they call an emerging sport in the NCAA, it will get there to be a championship sport here in, in the near future with the popularity of it. Did, that helps a lot, I'm guessing, in terms of when you're now looking at, the league already has this sport, so when you're going to present a proposal, it's much easier than saying, hey, here's a sport that nobody's ever heard of. Absolutely, and and in part it was because also we are having the support of the city in this project. So the city itself is wanting to grow the game. Okay. So it has created opportunities for us to engage our indoor players into new experiences. You know, it, instead of having them go all the way twelve months of the year, you know, into just a single sport, 
giving them an opportunity to uh, go outdoors, uh, experience different things, um, have different, uh, different physical challenges, and at the same time, engage themselves into new cognitive abilities, uh, opportunities to engage in emotional intelligence because of different parts of the game, and increasing the opportunity to also uh, have more ball control for the indoor game. Now, have the girls maybe noticed that the girls who are the better jumpers and better athletes, maybe the sand equalizes that a little bit? Absolutely. <laughs> the the sand is brutal. You know, it's a, it's kind of like, a, you know, like the indoor is an ego, ego booster. Uh, sand kills all that just because uh, once you get in the sand, you know, the, the pressure that the sand provides, um, in fact, actually, it's around 1.3% of more energy that you're using in your body compared to indoor. Just because of how much you have to engage your feet into the sand to make any movements that you're actually looking for. So that's also one of the opportunities that we're having with the players that we're having opportunities to have the players barefoot, of course, um, engaging new muscles, uh, engaging new movements and new efforts into making the same type of skills and techniques that they will do in indoor. And it's reflecting already when we go in, uh, back and play indoor with their mobility, you know, with their ability to actually read, uh, with their opportunities to stay healthy uh, throughout the way. Um, so yeah, it just, uh, it's, been a, it's been really rewarding so far. Now, the, the obvious differences in the game are gonna be the fact that one's indoor, one's outdoor, which we've touched on, one's on sand, one's on a hard court. But they also, the, the thing that I think people will notice is your reliance on teammates becomes a lot more important in sand is the fact that it's two on two as opposed to to six on six so you you talked about how this helps the indoor skills so they're all going to have to become better at ball control absolutely uh you know and, and there are a lot of uh similarities uh between each sport but of course skills are specific to the tasks so at the same time there's going to be differences you're going to see big some of the biggest differences like as you mentioned the challenge of now me not being able to hide anywhere as a player. Boys coming to me and that's it. So I'm engaging every single play, which also uh, engage the body in a different way. Now aerobic capacity is more uh, involved into every action that we use in comparison to the indoor side where everything is more anaerobic, you have breaks, you're not involving every play, but here the ability to make quick and efficient decisions the ability to work together with a teammate that you might have not worked before. And also realizing that maybe some of those best players that are, are usually really good in indoor might not translate the same way in the beach and the other way around as well. So he has created also uh, a very rewarding situation with our roster because um, every players have found themselves into new roles, new rankings, and perhaps playing with teammates that they would normally not play in an indoor side. Now, you, you talked about you play in pairs. Now, you guys are a couple weeks into to getting ready for the indoor season. It will actually start, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the beach season. It will actually start next week. Will you kind of slot the players together so player A will play with B the whole year, or do you see you kind of – interchanging those as, as the season goes out or this is brand new for you so is that you may not even be able to answer that question well um, what we have been wanting to do is uh, to make sure that in, for example in our training and development we have have every player play with everyone okay. 
and we have engaged them into mini tournaments. Uh, we have ranked them individually. Uh, we have ranked them as partners and we are seeing how people interact with each other and then determining, okay, just like tennis, um, would they be better if they're ranked one, you know, and playing with other ones? Or are they better when they, you know, because of their identity as a team to be on the threes? Um, so, you know, that those are the combinations that we're trying to establish. And once we find, um, you know, the ideal partners, uh, we're trying to stick with it as much as possible. So they have an opportunity to adapt to each other. For example, now right now we feel really comfortable with two or three partners that feel strongly that they're gonna probably stay together for at least most of the year. Okay. That might change when competition starts and you know and pressure starts and stress and seeing how they can rely on each other. But for now, um, you know, it, it has been really good because of that, because it provided a healthy internal competition among each other to see what and who fits better with who. Now, are there's um, there's got to be some subtle differences between maybe the way the rules of the game go as well. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say you can kick the ball, but I, I, I'm thinking of when an average person's playing on the beach. The, the goal is just to try to get the ball back over in three contacts. Do some of the rules change a little bit? I don't even know if there's an, a, an a, a fit all the officials that you normally would have from indoor yeah. out at a beach game? Yeah, well, number one, the score changes. It's now 21 points, okay. um, and you play a couple of matches uh, the same day. Um, so it might sound not as, not as much because you play, you know, uh, two out of three, but it's brutal in the body just because of, like, how much energy you have to consume. Now, the good thing about it is that aside from those rules, you know, the, the court is a little bit smaller. Um, although you are covering more territory, it's uh, more opportunity to maybe like, you know, be uh, closer to the ball than in comparison to the indoor side. The other thing that is not a different in rule, but the other thing that is a major difference is the way that players jump. So in the indoor side, you are you tend to jump um, broad to bro jumping to the ball. In the sand, you, you have to jump closer to the ball, meaning like in a vertical mode. So that's a different challenge also that they're, they're facing, you know, from one uh, game to the other. The other difference as well that is part of the rules is that the way you set is also absolutely different. So you cannot, for example, be deceiving in the beach uh, when you are setting the ball. You have to front exactly, front or back exactly where you're going and then you have to grab the ball almost like a medicine ball. So uh, those are like adaptations that we have been doing and trying to keep maybe some of the players from actually not changing those techniques. Example, our setters, we probably want them to stick with the indoor type of techniques. Um, but speaking of them and speaking about some of the differences and then uh, rules, because of how much territory they're having to cover, now the our vocal control and defensive part of the game has increased because you know it has been enhanced in terms of like the rule per se the biggest difference is going to be that a block touch is one touch on one side so a block touch counts at one and then you have two more touches to get it over okay, okay? and then lastly um i think that you know when when they actually see that um, you know, you might be able to go under under the net more often. They, they're gonna see that happening, you know, more than they would do it in the indoor game. And then the lines, because of course, are just like sometimes even ropes. Sometimes there's gonna be, you know, balls that 
might look at in, as in, but they're not. So like, it's just different looks that the weather and the perspective of the core is gonna offer to them. Okay, and then the way a lot of rosters are gonna be made up is your indoor roster is essentially going to be your beach roster, especially at schools uh, the size of Eastern Illinois and probably a lot of division one schools like that. As the indoor coach also, the associate head coach for that, does that now change maybe the type of player you're trying to recruit or you still have a model of an indoor player and then the beach is just going to make them a better player down the road? We're always, you know, like no matter how much time it, it goes in the indoor side, you're always one the player that can do more things. Um, now, would that be affected in terms of how much we involve them in the sand? That could play a role, you know? We might not need our medals to do like all the adaptations to sand volleyball, but we do want them making uh, good choices in terms of when they transition from one side to the other. So, you know, in, in the type of recruit that we will like, we, it will always be the more the player can do, the more that we're gonna prefer. The more dynamic, the better the movements, the more moral learning that they have been taught with, you know, uh, before coming here. Those are the players that we are really gonna uh, tend to like. Uh, the players that are willing and able and, you know, and are uh, wanting to get better, knowing how to learn. Uh, like those are elements that are really important in the indoor side, especially with how much the game has been evolving. So speed, power um, for the indoor, but then, you know, when you transfer it to the sand, it's more about the precision that you can use, more strength into the body, and then combining those two into creative, uh, you know, a balance in each of, uh, each of our players moving forward. Now, you've been around volleyball for a long time. We're going to talk in a, in a minute about kind of your background, but have you noticed in your experiences as a player and then as a coach, is there a, I guess, quote unquote, a certain position of player that tends to translate better from the indoor game to be successful on the beach game. I know people will will have seen Olympic volleyball. That's kind of where I think beach has gotten very successful. Have you noticed from that that you know setters did better or liberos did better mm -hmm. or middles do better? Well, you know, it's interesting because in USA Volleyball, uh, one, one or two of the top players were in middles, but it's not necessarily what tends to happen. You probably have the outside hitters and the liberals having more opportunities because they get more real touches that you will see in the sand. Um, you know, another great USA Volleyball player, it was an outstanding setter. Um, so I think that it's just going to vary, but the constant is always going to be how much capability would that player have with ball control already? The awareness that they might have, the readiness, the reading capabilities, um, and then the emotional intelligence that they they have come and gaining from the indoor or the sand side before it actually tra uh, translating into one or other. So I think it's that. I think that in the, uh, the more players that you're gonna see in the sand are gonna be the outside hitters and liberals that because of their using the same similar skills that they're going to use in beach volleyball. Now, you are from Puerto Rico, yes. so you grew up around sand. People yes. have never been to Puerto Rico, it's sand. There's beaches there, there's a lot of water. Did You played volleyball in, in college, you played volleyball in the professional ranks for a little while. Did you start playing volleyball or was volleyball a sport that you came into later in life? I don't know that a, a lot of people, especially in the U.S., 
grow up playing volleyball, it's usually something they get into later. Is that your story as well, or did you somebody hand you a volleyball at a young age and like this is my sport? I actually started playing baseball. You okay. know, I I think that it's a it's a thing. You know, if you you're a kid in, in Puerto Rico, you probably uh, begin your career playing baseball, and from there everything goes. Uh, in fact, I, I actually. I I fell right rollerblading and got injured and couldn't play baseball at that moment. So a friend of mine had me a volleyball and then even with my cast on, that's how that was my first volleyball experience. And since that first moment I just fell in love with the game. There was something about it uh that number one came easier to me, uh and number two it was really enjoyable to do. Um, so, you know, from there, just th things started escalating. Um, you know, one thing led to the other, to the youth national team that kind of like gave me like even more motivation, inspiration to keep training. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, getting an opportunity to have a full academic scholarship, you know, by using also my athletic aid at in high school with, you know, with playing baseball and volleyball kind of like forced me into just focusing on those two sports until graduation or like 11 or 12th grade where I actually have to uh, quit baseball to just dedicate myself to volleyball. Now, as you mentioned, you, you were able to play volleyball in college. The men's and the women's game are, are a little bit different from each other. You've coached the women's, you've coached the men's. What is maybe the, the difference you've seen and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but between between the two games that, you know, allowed you maybe to be successful as a player, but then also take that and maybe then be successful as a coach. Well, I think that, um, you know, at first, no matter if you coach um, male or women, you're always going to be coaching the way that you were coached. So, like, I think that that was the biggest influence that I got, uh, regardless of, like, me coaching men or women. But, like, differences were basically uh, on power. You know, the men's game is a quicker and it's a shorter rally type of game. So you, you're trying to emphasize your training and development on first opportunities um, because of the, uh, uh, the amount of power that there is. Now, in the women's side, since every play tends to last between five and seven seconds, then you put more priorities into the transition game. You put more priorities into even like the physical side of training changes because now it's anaerobic endurance um, that you're trying to emphasize with each of your players. Now you're playing more times out of system. So your setters have to get comfortable into moving and playing and setting into those situations. And then you're gonna have to find hitters that are able to keep the ball in play for a long time, but at the same time, finding the right uh, time to score. So. I, those are like the the influences from each of the games where you're gonna notice because the game has been globalized so much that power in the women's game now is really close to the men's side. Plus the lowering of the net, you know, makes it a little more you know equal into now how you're training the men and how you train the women. The biggest difference that you're gonna see is how you coach them, how you actually interact with it with them you know how do you do your explanations how do you provide your feedback i think that it, in the men's side it's more individual yeah. um in the women's side it's easier to sell the fact that it's a team game um so perhaps that's one of my favorite things about actually coaching women's volleyball because it's it's mainly focused on on the team as a whole instead of just like 
individuals trying to, you know, score at more points than the opponent. Now, as, as you also talked about there, volleyball has become a, a, a global game. It seems to be big in the U.S. at the younger levels. The travel volleyball is the the money you can make if you work yeah. on the, the that side of it. But even the opportunity is great there. The college level is a great opportunity there. But then it seems in the U.S. level, it kind of seems to plateau at the college level. You've been able to to um, do some things internationally. What is the difference between how maybe the why the world accepts the game beyond college, mm-hmm. where maybe the U.S. it hasn't happened? Well, you know, in Europe and some of the most important leagues in the world, um, you grow up thinking, um, I want to play professionally at 15 or 16. That's like, that's the route. You don't plan to go to college and then play and all that. So um, the route in the U.S. is a little different. You know, the route in the U.S. is so much emphasis because of the NCAA providing scholarships that the route is like, I want to go to college to then get better and play professionally. That's why even in basketball, you see people like Luka Doncic and all these people that they're so much skilled at such a younger age. It happens the same thing in volleyball because these younger Europeans or any you know players that are international or top players, they play with older people younger that you know when they actually you know like play at their age level it's way easier for them to adapt so like that has been the biggest thing of all um you know and i know that usa volleyball has made adjustments one thing that the international side of things they don't like much is the 15 substitutions that it's happening in the younger ages in the u.s just because it's creating more early specialization in comparison to the rest of the world where you have six substitutions and players have to do more things an example is there might be a middle going to a national team here in the u.s that might have never served a ball in their lives (laughs) so i you know like that's how different the international game is compared to like you know what happens in the ncoa level as you said the club scene have changed also the game here where there's more volleyball per capita than probably most places around the world but it's based more on like money making and stuff like that, depending on the region and every uh, everywhere you go. Now, people can hear your passion about volleyball there. You've been around it your whole life. One of the things that you did as a, I don't want to say a pet project, but maybe a, a passionate project during the COVID is you created a website and a podcast called Volley Junkies that is becomes educational talks with pros and coaches around the world in the game. What inspired you to do that? Is, something, is that something you kind of, always wanted to do and then all of a sudden the time was available with COVID or how did that maybe materialize? It's funny because I, I did this, uh, you know, like maybe seven years back or eight years back, but I don't think people were ready. You know, I, I created something similar and it wasn't like the same feeling. And now when the pandemic hit, uh, it kind of like forced people to shut down. So it put more emphasis on education. Um, and that when that window opened, I wanted to really focus it on Puerto Rico. But then from that, it created, you know, a, a massive situation where now we were discussing ideas with, you know, Karsh Kiral from uh, Team USA, you know, where Bernardinho, you know, the Brazilian coach or, you know, some of these Italian coaches or Argentinian coaches that have that have won multiple Olympics and, you know, and played and coached in, in some of the best leagues in the world. So I think that that dynamic where it forces us to 
shut everything down, emphasize more on professional growth, allow that window to open, and you know, and and you know, and I, it was a blessing to see how much acceptance it had because of the quality of the people that were guests on it, because of the type of conversations that we were having. And it was, it was basically a challenge to all of us coaches and then players to try to get better at getting better. You know, how do we actually, instead of like just emphasizing on just the wins and losses, how do we became, you know, better in the scientific part of the game, in the educational part of the game, in the way that we provide feedback to the players. So, you know, talking through, you know, even if that's pro this project was for everyone else, it has also been something of a, a personal growth for myself were listening to so many philosophies, um, the diversity and inclusion in different countries, um, creating different perspectives on me and, uh, and the way I coach every day. Now, in the, in the midst of doing that, you've had you know, tons of guests on there. Is there a, a guest in your mind that you're like, I'm gonna reach out to them. They're never going to say <laughs> yes, but then they did say yes and it ended up being like, I guess that golden interview or that, that one that was just a little bit out of reach that all of a sudden was in reach. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to watch this Brazilian coach uh, win Olympics first, you know, men. Then in women, he did the same. Then he went to the best league in the world, like which is like the NBA of volleyball and did the same, uh, Bernardo Rezende. And sending that message out and then seeing like, a why not answer? Or, <laughs> and then like, when do we do it? It was like, it was nerve wracking. And then having the opportunity to um, interview four of the best coaches in the world at the same time. When I interview Marcelo Mendez, who has, who had at that point uh, won the club, the professional club championships um, in the world. Uh, you know, someone like Ana Andrea Anastasi, who is the national team coach for one of the top teams in the world. Uh, Daniel Castellani. Um, you know, and all these all these people in the same conversation. That was also almost surreal. And then interviewing Karch and seeing how casual he was, seeing how much passion he had about learning and listening and understanding, uh, you know, told me a lot, told me a lot because I, I was like, here we have who, someone who is considered to be the best player that the game has ever seen and now becoming maybe the best coach in the world, um, addicted to learning. That it made me even more confident about the mission of this project called Bully Junkies because if he was in that in that project of like, he wanted to get better as a coach, he wanted to get better as a person, he wanted to get better as a learner, why not have that opportunity for everyone to take advantage of, you know, in a website like that? Now you talked about the, the desire to learn for you. You kind of have that same passion as well. You've taken on this Bali Junkies project, but you've also gone back to school yourself. You're, you're right now pursuing a, a doctorate. Is that something that you kind of always wanted to do that, or did that maybe come out of some of these conversations like you had with Karch Karai? You know what? I, I don't know. I think that I, being a former college dropout and, and then like thinking back and seeing where, where I am today in that regard, um, just made me realize, you know, like why not finish this journey of education with the highest uh, degree of all? And then having the support that I, that I gained from uh, Mr. Tom Michael, from Coach Sarah Thomas, uh, letting them letting me know that hey it's okay go for it having that space to balance my work with my continuing education just like let me to believe that you know what this is what I want to do I, I'm I've always been interested in the 
psychological part of the game, psychological part of like of how people get better. Um, so like that's that's basically the line that I'm following. I'm wanting to uh, help coach the coaches and also help become a better coach. Um, perhaps maybe teach at the uh, at the university level at some point, and who knows if administrative as well. So. Um, it's a doctorate in psychology with a specialization in sport and performance. Now for you, now we'll bring this full circle. We started talking about how beach volleyball has come along. This podcast will have it for this week's episode, which means you guys will debut the EIU volleyball beach season on the road next year. A facility is not quite ready here at home, so all road schedule. What are you most looking forward to going out there? It's not that you've never been a head coach mm-hmm. before, but being the first coach of the first beach volleyball contest what what's going to kind of maybe the emotions that are you going to go through next week just the emotions of of seeing our players go out and compete again honestly that's that's the way that we're taking it i'm i'm very honored and excited to be leading this new project but we're trying to keep our eyes and mindset into what we do every single day how are we getting better that it would not just transfer to what we're doing during beach season but also to the indoor side of the game and how are we get helping our players to also get a better growth mindset i get an opportunity to react under adversity a better opportunity to just gain more cognitive abilities to you know to to be better on and off the court so those are the things that i'm looking forward um of course there's always going to be nerves i i have nerves you know since i started coaching i think that that's it is like the rush of things that uh, that we go through as coaches because of how much we prepare and plan for every single match. So we're gonna take this beach season as a learning opportunity. We know that we're gonna be in a disadvantage with every other team that has been in, you know, in the conference for a while now. And uh, but you know we're looking forward to perhaps learn from those experiences and then you know and see what happens in the upcoming seasons after that. Very good. Well, best of luck with that, and thank you for joining us today, Manolo. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ah! <laughs>